Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I'm really so excited to bring this next guest on because uh, she was a complete stranger to me just a few months ago. We met at the Your Health Freedom um, Symposium in West Jordan, Utah, where she was a speaker and I was a speaker. And uh, I think we can safely say that we're kind of in the mutual admiration club. I absolutely love what she is doing in New York. And I am so excited to share or to have her share her story with you. She is Christina Martinez. She is known as the exemption lawyer, which probably would have made no sense a couple of years ago to anybody, but certainly makes some sense now. She's assisted hundreds of private and public sector employees in their requests for religious and medical exemptions to the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. She also handles litigation for employees who have been wrongfully terminated on the basis of their unvaccinated status. She recently won lawsuits for several FDNY firefighters and NYPD police officers. She believes that medical freedom and religious liberty are fundamental human rights that all people are entitled to. And of course, I echo that belief. This includes the right to maintain personal bodily autonomy and to fully control consent to medical treatments or vaccinations, whether for religious or personal reasons. With a passion for advocacy and a dedication to championing, championing, if I can say it right, those who have been abused and oppressed. Today, she focuses primarily on medical freedom and religious liberty. I'd love to welcome my friend Christina Martinez to Vitality Radio. Thank you so much, Jared. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on and thank you for that introduction. Well, I'll tell you, I I heard you speak. I had heard of you. I knew, you know, who you were, but I'd never heard you speak at all uh, when we met just a few months back at uh, at the uh, Your Health Freedom Symposium. And I, it's an interesting thing. Who I just had um, Brad Skistimus on the show. Uh, in fact, he's going to be on the next episode after you air. Um, from five times August. And, you know, he's a musician. Uh, you could call him a rock star. And on the program that we were, uh, the interview where I was talking to him, he said, you know who the real rock stars are in this fight are the doctors and the lawyers who are taking up the fight against this tyranny and these mandates and this absurd uh, narrative that is being preached. And he, he said uh, he regretted the fact that there are very, very few musicians that are actually standing up and saying, hey, let's not do this. Instead, they're actually standing up and saying, yeah, full on narrative. Everybody do as you're told. And it is people like you, Christina, that are taking up the banner and becoming the real rock stars. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And it's funny for me, I've met with a bunch of firefighters this morning outside of the federal courthouse. And, you know, they were saying similar things that they're so grateful for the lawyers, but really it's, it's them, right? It's these people who are willing to stand up to the tyranny because if I didn't have clients that are willing to fight and it's, it's a great personal loss to themselves, right? These people have had their lives destroyed because of the mandates. They were fired, right? Some of them on the brink of foreclosure or had to get up and leave the state and, they stood firm in their convictions and they refused to get vaccinated, which you know puts them in the minority, at least in New York City. 
So it's really those people that I'm fighting for. And, you know, I have a personal stake in it as well. I, I think it's wrong. I, I don't think the government should be able to force vaccines on anybody. And so to do something I truly believe in and fight for something that I am passionate about, it's like my fate aligned. And I feel like God has set me on this course. And I'm just so grateful to be able to join in the fight. Well, and I 100% agree with you. I never thought I'd be taking such an active role in, you know, protest, essentially. I've been educating people on health and nutrition for years and years and years. And I have always used this little soapbox that I stand on on Vitality Radio as an advocacy um, thing. But it's never been like it has been over the last couple of years. And many of us, I think, have felt like we've been thrust into the battle of our lives. But it's a battle that is a battle that needs to be won. It's not one that we can shy away from. And so where, and, and you're right, it's also a team effort, right? Because the, the police and the firefighters that you're primarily working with, these people are not just standing up for their own rights, but they also stand up for everybody else when they are in need and take, uh, you know, risk of, of life and limb for their job. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago back in 9-11 where we were all kind of, you know, bowing down and praising these amazing individuals who did that amazing work in New York specifically. And now they're being isolated and alienated and fired and it's unbelievable what has happened. And so we need people like you. We need people like you to stand up and fight this garbage. So thank you again. But I am curious because you say that things kind of lined up for you, fate uh, aligned. You clearly are very passionate about this. It's amazing to be able to do for a living something that you love and truly believe in, particularly in the legal field, right? Uh, And it is awesome. But why do you have this passion? Where does all this come from? Where are your roots in in this uh, fight that you're in right now? Yeah, it's funny. I never would have predicted when I was in law school that I would have ended up in this sphere that I'm in now, but um, it actually wasn't in, it was when I was working as an attorney and I was pregnant with my first son who is six now. Mm-hmm. And I started, you know, taking an interest. I am an attorney. I'm type A. I started researching everything. I, you know, went to see a nutritionist to make sure that I was even before I got pregnant to make sure I was going to give my baby the perfect atmosphere to grow and thrive. And, you know, I made sure that I was healthy and doing everything right. And then I started looking into all the things that were going to happen once the baby came. And I started reading a lot of books and um, I, I had access to medical journals at to um, a whole library of medical journals because I worked at a firm that did medical malpractice. Uh-huh. So I started looking up vaccines to try to decide I wanted to, I had an Excel spreadsheet. I was going to list out, you know, when we were going to do what vaccine and all the things. And I remember reading this study and it was on the top 33 industrialized nations. And it said the United States gives the most vaccines out of any country. And yet we were dead last in infant mortality. And I remember just thinking, something's not right about that. (laughs) Like, I need to look into this more. And then I started reading um, Dr. Sears' book is where I started my journey. Um, uh, I think it's the vaccine-friendly plan. 
And from there, I decided, okay, I'm going to do vaccines, but I'm going to spread them out and I'm going to pick and choose the ones that I think are necessary versus the ones that I think are kind of frivolous. And then I started digging in a little deeper. And I remember once my son was born, every time he had a well visit, I had a sick feeling in my stomach. And I really truly believe I did. um, Oh, goodness. What is it called? Dr. C, it's attachment theory parenting. Mm -hmm. So I breastfed, you know, I Mm co-slept. I kept my baby close and I really followed my instincts. Like everything that felt right and natural, I believed God was telling me as a mother, this was what I was supposed to be doing. And it just felt so wrong to be vaccinating. And so I started looking into it a little bit more. I found J.B. Handley, um, Mm -hmm. um, How to Cure Autism, I think is his book. it was mind blowing. I mean, my mind was blown about the connection between autism and vaccines. And then I started really digging to try to find where did the CDC get the information that it's safe? Have they ever tested the full vaccine schedule on a child? And I found it was actually from the FDA. It wasn't the CDC. And the FDA had a bulletin that said, the, the full schedule is safe. We've done a study and we know the amount of aluminum. It is, it's all safe. And here's our study. And it was like a footnote. I think I even had to pay to, to get to the actual study. And when I read this study, and now I'm not a doctor, but I did dabble in medical malpractice. So, you know, I'm a little bit familiar with reading these studies. Even as a layperson, I could understand that this study was basically doing mental gymnastics to get to the conclusion they wanted, which was that the, you know, overload of aluminum that's in the full schedule was safe. They actually relied on two rabbits and not an actual human child, but two rabbits. And that's where they came to the conclusion that um, all the aluminum would naturally, uh, I, I can't remember the the word that they use, but basically the body rids itself of it, that it wouldn't you know stick around anywhere. And they based that on two rabbits. And I just was mind blown. And when I read that study, I printed it out. I bought um, J.B. Hanley's book, an extra copy, and I wrote a letter to my pediatrician. And I brought it to her and I said, listen, I'm never putting another vaccine into my child. There's no evidence these are safe. Please read this information. And um, right then and there, I I guess I became an anti-vaxxer. It's funny. I just heard you talking about the new definition. I fit into new and old because (laughs) I I will not put any vaccines into my child or or myself. And um, needless to say, I was ejected from my pediatrician's office after that. So that's how I got into this space of, you know, looking for a more natural, holistic and really opening my eyes to the pharmaceutical industries and the vaccines not being fully tested and actually causing harm. Yeah, I I love the backstory. I think it's valuable because it certainly does set you up for what you're doing right now. And uh, just quickly to correct, because he's a friend of mine, uh, the vaccine-friendly plan is Paul Thomas. Oh, Uh, I'm so sorry. So you got Sears right on the other one, but yeah. Um, And Paul Thomas, he's been on my show a couple of times. We actually just spoke at an event a couple of months ago and and talked about a guy who deserves a tremendous amount of admiration. I don't know, Christina, I'm actually curious, have you seen his uh, 10,000? patient study on vaccinated versus unvaccinated? 
I think somebody, uh, another attorney sent it to me. Uh, the health outcomes were, I remember saying like asthma and I mean, it was just remarkable. It's how, staggering, really. And, and it's funny, I see it in my own children because I have a fully unvaccinated child and I have my first son, which I say, the poor thing, I kind of learned how to be a good mom on him. And so I made some major mistakes that I corrected with my second child. But, you know, he he got some vaccines and, you know, right away he eczema and he would get the bright red cheeks. And um, I think he might have some like mild ADD that I'm not sure I'm working, you know, with holistic doctors trying to figure out exactly what the problem is. But even just something like a common cold, when my two boys will get a cold, my first son, who was partially vaccinated when he was a baby, he will be sick for seven to 10 days. He'll get an ear infection from it. My little guy, he'll be sick for two or three days, barely could even tell like much milder, so quick, and it's over. Yeah, And it's like, you know, God gave us the immune system that we need, right? He knew what he was doing, and we don't have to mess with that. I agree. I agree. And it's interesting, you know, unfortunately, first, I will say this, I really admire that aspect of your story. There's two things that you said that I think really resonate with me that I want to highlight a little bit. One is that you paid very close attention to your motherly instincts. Uh, And when things didn't feel right, you questioned those things, you dug into those things, researched those things. And when things felt right, you did those things, right? There are so many of us in America, in particular, I think this, this falls on mothers to a large degree, that are so concerned that they're going to do it wrong, that they just defer to the person in the white coat, or whoever it is that they're working with. And yet I am a huge believer in that parental instinct instinct, and particularly motherly intuition as to what that child needs at that time and what that child doesn't need at that time. I believe that that's innate and, and uh, put into you by, uh, by our creator. So I highly, highly admire that um, aspect of it. And then, again, being willing to research things that most people don't even want to necessarily look behind the curtain of those things because what if they see what they don't want to see? A lot of the people that have been injured by vaccines, um, the only way they ever woke up to it was because of the injury, uh, not because they were willing to necessarily look in the first place. We just sort of take it for granted that, yeah, this stuff's all safe and effective. So, 100%. So- I think it's you know, it's hard for moms to go against the mainstream, especially if you don't have a support system. Like, yeah. you know, I, I heard you in last in last week's podcast talking about how you kind of grew up around this, right? Yeah. You had this store. For me, and I'm sure a lot of other moms too, it's the total opposite. Like nobody breastfed in my family. I was the first person in my family to breastfeed. Everybody thought I was crazy. And, you know, I made all my own baby food from scratch, from organic fruits and vegetables. And, you know, I was giving him liver and like crazy things that my, you know, bone broth. And Mm -hmm. I had nobody to, sorry about that. I had nobody to teach me those things. And so, you know, you have a mainstream telling you everybody does it this way. Mm -hmm. You have your own family and friends telling you, you know, this is not the way. Um, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You're a busy person. I know this. Yeah, it's my it's my office phone. Okay. You have your your own family and friends doing things a certain way. And it, it's hard to go outside of that and really trust your instincts and and do what you think is right. And that's why I was so grateful for this community, right? This medical freedom, health freedom community, because that's you kind of create your own little family. And, you know, I, I think I was also lucky because of my training and background legally, because I did medical malpractice. I was already a bit suspicious of doctors. Ah. I didn't think that they always knew what was right or always did best. Mm -hmm. And I also, when I was in law school, I had an amazing internship opportunity with a lawyer who did um, – she sued pharmaceutical companies, actually, for drugs that harmed people. And she actually won a big famous case back back decades ago. Um, it was a drug that was given to pregnant women for nausea, and it wound up causing horrible birth defects in the children. And I remember she would win these huge multi-million dollar judgments. And I said to her one time, how did these guys not go out of business? Like they're paying all this money. And she said, Oh, because it's just cost of doing business to them. They, yeah. They're not going to go out of business. Their profits are huge. If they if we win $100 million, it's nothing to them. They just keep on going. And so I had all that in the background, right? When I'm learning about vaccines, I already have a bit of a distrust for pharmaceutical companies and doctors, although, you know, there's amazing doctors out there, but not always, right? And right. so I realized I have to be my own advocate, be my children's advocate, and I can't blindly trust in anybody. Yeah, and that's really the key, I think, because everybody has their own bias, right? They all have their own background, and, and medical school, unfortunately, is largely funded by pharma. Uh, you know, most medical books are written and edited by pharmaceutical companies and employees of pharmaceutical companies. So their bias is real, and frankly, my bias is real. I sell vitamins and minerals and probiotics for a living. I have a very specific way I feel about those things, and so I always tell my listeners, don't take my word for it. I'm happy to be part of your education, but I don't want to be your education. Go out there and, and, you know, find other sources that you can trust and that you believe in and that, you know, kind of verify what maybe you're already leaning towards believing based on, again, that intuitive nature. Because I think that nobody knows what's best for us better than we do if we'll listen. But most of us have just sort of offloaded that responsibility to somebody in medicine. And I think that's a pretty big mistake. So mistake. And Sorry. It's a huge mistake. And especially when you consider pharmaceutical companies or for-profit companies. I remember in law school, I learned about this case when I was taking corporations. It, it was a huge case, Supreme Court case. Ford um, got sued because he was taking profits at the end of the year. And instead of paying them out to the stockholders, he was putting it into the community. And the stockholders sued and said, now, we deserve that money. We deserve payouts. And the stockholders won. And the judge said, you're a for-profit company. Your obligation is to your stockholders. It's not to the good of the people. And that always stuck with me, too, when we're talking about pharmaceutical companies. Like, we need to understand Pfizer, Merck, all these all these companies, their bottom line is just that, right? It's, it's money. It's profit. Mm -hmm. It's not about saving lives or curing. COVID-19, that's not their primary goal. And we need to all realize that when they're, you know, shoving a new vaccine down our throats. Yeah. 
Could not agree more. We have to always recognize that it is still business first, uh, you know, across the board with those things, which is why you have to question and and look into these things. Because it, the, the truth of the matter is, as you know, and, and I think most people uh, aren't so jaded listening to this program that we don't trust our doctors sometime, uh, you know, because there are really amazing aspects of modern medicine that are groundbreaking and life-saving. Uh, I talk about antibiotics a lot. I think antibiotics can save a lot of lives, but I also believe that about 90% of antibiotics that are prescribed are unnecessary. And okay. so it's all about balance with this kind of stuff and, and throwing out all of medicine because there's some, you know, dirty players is not a good idea, but okay. fully trusting it because it's just the way we do it. Also not so wise, right? Right. All right. So I'm curious because you're, you know, recently, obviously, you've become far more well known uh, as a more controversial figure than you probably ever were uh, in your life before uh, because of, of what you've done uh, in New York City. Uh, specifically, the first story I ever heard about you was was fighting a fight uh, for a fired uh, or laid off or whatever they called it, a firefighter there in New York because he wasn't willing to take the experimental use vaccinations for COVID. Tell us a little bit about that and how that all uh, came about. Yeah. So um, it was another just crazy thing that happened. I, I actually got a phone call from my best friend from high school. She was a New York City teacher. And she said, you know, this vaccine is getting mandated. I need a religious exemption. It's like impossible to get. Can you try to help me? And I said I would try at that point. I was actually barely working. I was mostly just stay-at-home mom with my boys. And I was like, oh, I'll look into it. I, you know, I, I don't do employment law, but let me check it out. I researched for like a week. I read up on a million cases. I, I helped her with her religious exemption and she won. And nobody was winning at that point. Like it, this was in a lawsuit. This was just trying to get a, an exemption from the city. And she put my information in a group chat of a bunch of teachers uh, and they just all started flooding to me. And then, you know, the teachers are married to the firefighters and the cops and the sanitation workers. And before I knew it, I had hundreds of city worker clients. And then, you know, I was I was very successful, but it was also I was starting to realize that private sector, um, you know, I was very overwhelmingly successful. And then the public sector was very tough. And I realized they're not following the law, right? My client's doing everything he needs to do or she needs to do to prove uh, that she deserves a religious exemption. She's still getting denied. And so I said, you know, we have to sue. We have to bring a lawsuit. And so I filed the first lawsuit for a firefighter, Tim Ravici, and he was married to a school teacher, both of them fired. Literally, their house was in forbearance. They couldn't even pay their mortgage. And they were totally against vaccines. They were Christians. And they just felt very strongly that it didn't matter. They could not go against their religious beliefs. And so I filed that first lawsuit. I won for him. That was right before I met you, actually. Yeah. Um, that it broke, that I won. That was the first case I won. And um, I got him the full back pay. I, you know, it was a substan he was out of work for a long time. It was a substantial amount of money, $180,000. Oh, wow. Plus attorney's fees on top of it. And um, reinstatement. And that 
then it, everything exploded from there. I I think I have over 20 something cases filed now against the city. Um, I think we have five that have been fully decided all wins for firefighters and, and NYPD and FDNY. Um, most of my clients, I want to say, are firefighters. So yeah, it's, it's been amazing. I actually was just in court this morning um, for another firefighter. It was another win. And, you know, it's it's so sad what's happening here because the, the mandate, they just announced they're going to lift it. But it's like they don't recognize what they've done to these people, how they've destroyed lives, how many people got up and moved or, you know, were such struggling so horribly financially and just feel abandoned and forsaken by the city that they they lay their life on the line. The client that I was representing today, he was actually on line of duty injury when the mandate dropped. He had broken ribs because he had um, he was busting inside a home that was on fire and the halogen tool came back and broke his ribs. Oh, and wow. so he was out on medical leave. The mandate shouldn't even have applied to him, according to New York City's own written policies. And they put him out on unpaid leave. He actually won an award the day after the mandate dropped for being like the top firefighter. He he started his own nonprofit where he dresses up as a superhero with other firefighters and they go to cancer, pediatric cancer wards and burn units. Like, I mean, this man just truly goes above and beyond for our city. He's a hero. And this is what they do to him. They they put him on unpaid leave, deny his religious exemption, and they routinely denied everybody for the firefighters. And even after we win the lawsuit, they continuously bring frivolous motions. They they don't want to pay his back pay now. They're threatening. Today in court, they threatened to bring an appeal when they have absolutely no basis for an appeal. If, you know, And they, they're saying we won't pay. They don't want to pay the back pay. They want him to give it up, basically. It's like it's e- I, I said to the attorney, you understand that I, I get it. You're a lawyer. You're representing a client, but you're still a human being, right? I said, how do you sleep at night? This is a hero. This is his money, rightfully his money. And you want to take it to him? You're going to threaten to bring a frivolous appeal? Because the thing is, in New York City, they get an automatic stay because they're the city. So they get an advantage. If they file an appeal, that's it. We can't touch that money. And they have six months to perfect it. And then if they file the appeal, who knows how long it'll right linger in appellate court. So they know that, right? That They haven't even reinstated my first firefighter. And they know that his home is in foreclosure. And this is what they do, right? They try to crush the opposition. And it's I, I feel that it really truly is evil. And it's people like us. It's our duty to rise up and fight against it. Yeah, it is evil. I, I, there's not a better word for it that I can think of. And and regardless of you know how heroic these people are or aren't, it, it's wrong no matter what. And then you just tack that onto it and say, look at how amazing this individual is and what he does and what he stands for. And then they're going to trash him like they do. It's it's pathetic and disgusting. So. Yeah. I'm curious because you mentioned teachers and sanitation workers, basically city employees, but you say mostly it's been firefighters and some and some cops. Um, have you been working or, or suing on behalf of some of these other uh, city workers beyond uh, cops and firefighters up to this point? Uh, I think I have four filed against the Department of Education as well. Okay. 
Um, it's funny, private sector doesn't give us as big of a problem as the it's the it's the city that thinks that they could do whatever they want, right? right. They think they're above the law, which right. is the problem. I mean, the mandate itself got struck down several times over by the courts, but yet they still they just decided they're gonna voluntarily lift it as if the courts didn't already invalidate it, right? The the courts have said they didn't have the authority to unilaterally impose a condition of employment on city workers without collectively bargaining with their unions. But they they just ignore that. They pretend they could mandate a vaccine. They don't have to collectively bargain. And then even if they did have the authority to implement a vaccine mandate, there's still exemption, right? Reasonable accommodations. People are right. entitled to an accommodation that's federally protected, state protected, locally protected. They didn't do any of the things they were supposed to do. There was no, there's supposed to be a cooperative dialogue, right? If somebody requests an accommodation and they say, listen, my religious beliefs or my medical condition conflicts with your vaccine mandate, you're supposed to have like HR, somebody sit down with them and say, okay, what's the conflict? How can it be resolved? There was none of that. It was just routine denials, boilerplate. They never looked at people's individual duties. I have a battalion chief that doesn't even work in a firehouse. He sits in an MTA office building. We filed for him right away and we got him a temporary restraining order. So that means the FDNY or the city couldn't put him on unpaid leave or fire him while his lawsuit was pending. So there's no back pay for him because we preserved his rights right away. He hired me before he got fired. And even now it's like the mandate is over and they're, (laughs) they're still like, won't drop it with him. It's like, he, you have no basis for denying them because the firefighters all got denied for safety reasons. They didn't challenge their religious beliefs. How can you say it's not safe for a man to sit in an office building? I mean, right. it's just, they didn't actually look at anything. They just checked off a box denied. And that's against the law. Yeah. So, And yet, as you said, it's an uphill battle because of who you're battling with. So uh, you just, I guess, keep fighting, right? Exactly. That's all Our, we could do. And what what do you feel it, it, you are, you know, in the heat of all of this right now and you're not only in the heat of it in terms of, you know, the legalities of things, but you're in the heat of it in New York City because New York City and L.A. probably uh, more than anywhere else in this country have been very, very, very narrative driven and very hard on the people that, uh, you know, weren't willing to follow along, essentially. Do you feel like things are shifting? Do you feel like we're winning in other ways and that we're because you just mentioned that they just officially finally dropped the mandate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What is your feeling about how how we're doing overall in terms of making progress on preserving our freedoms and preventing this type of thing from happening in the future? I've definitely seen a major shift from the beginning where, you know, quite honestly, I was hesitant to bring these lawsuits, right? Because, and and I still run across judges like this that just have a certain mindset, right? About the vaccines, about people who refuse them. Uh, but I, I now see that it's gone totally the, the other way. Judges are a lot more open-minded. Um, I think that everybody knows that it doesn't stop transmission now, that the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. Whereas before they were claiming the opposite. Right. Now the CDC openly admits that it doesn't stop transmission. And I think people are starting to realize, well, if it doesn't stop transmission and the vaccinated can still spread it, then why are we forcing these guys out of work? I mean, it doesn't have any public health reason behind it. 
So I've definitely seen a major shift in the courts and in public opinion. And you you see that too with in the beginning, the mandate was challenged many times legally and it withstood those legal challenges. And it's only just recently that it's being struck down by multiple different judges. And I think that's because of science, right? People are, the, the CDC is telling us that the science has changed and they're even having to admit it. And then you have public opinion changing as well. So I have a curious question that you, uh, you, you, you mentioned something a few minutes ago about the unions and, and uh, you know, an actual agreement that would normally have to be made uh, between the union and the employer when it, and in this case, the city and the firefighters union, for instance, um, right. Have you found support from the union on these things or is the union lining up with the city on these things in terms of mandates and that kind of thing? It depends on the union. So the UFA, the firefighters union, has been excellent. Um, they work with me to protect their members. Um, they're, you know, they want to help. They've cha- they've fought against it every step of the way, which helps their members, right? It helps my arguments legally when I can add that argument in that, first of all, they didn't even have the right to put my client on on paid leave because their union did not sign off on that, right? Then you have the the PBA also, um, the that's the police, the NYPD union has okay. been supportive of their members as well. They have all brought the UFA, the PBA, they've brought uh, lawsuits challenging the mandate. They brought improper practice petitions with the collective bargaining board and they won. So that helps for my individual lawsuits as, as well, right? Because it shows that they didn't have the legal authority to do what they did to my clients. And then you have other unions that have just totally forsaken their members that actually pushed the mandate, like the the teachers union yeah. in particular was so awful. I actually have a group I was just about to file, but they dropped the mandate. I was going to file a lawsuit with um, Children's Health Defense to strike down the, the, there was a separate mandate just for Department of Education for the teachers. And we were actually started working and we reached out to Corporation Council, the city's attorneys saying, look, we're about to file about 80 lawsuits for teachers who were denied medical exemptions. I mean, this is the most egregious thing I've ever heard. These people were one of the lucky hundred out of how many people I don't know that actually applied and were granted medical exemptions in the very beginning in 2021. They just suddenly revoked all of their medical exemptions in January and told them, you're all denied. (laughs) Wow. Based on the same exact medical, they have permanent medical conditions. They were previously granted. And now these people are sickly. They're disabled people, some of them severely so. Mm-hmm. And they're desperate, right? They're they're actually considering going against their own doctor's medical advice to get a vaccine because they're like, I can't lose my health insurance. I ha- They're in courses of treatment for their illnesses. They're like, and some of them have children that have hereditary illnesses like the same as them. And they're like, my kids depend on my health insurance. They're literally willing to risk their lives and take this vaccine or some of them get terminated with no health insurance. And we reached out to me and three other attorneys uh, reached out and said, we're going to file about 80 to 100 of these lawsuits for these guys. So, you know, just be prepared. And um, then they were like, oh, we'll, we'll extend them all until February 17th. 
And then, so we fought, we filed a few of them and then they were like, oh, we're dropping the mandate. So (laughs) it's just funny that, you know, they think that makes it all better as if these people, you know, some of them have conditions that are triggered by stress. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no realization on the city's part or even, you know, corporation council of the pain and suffering and emotional damage and, and sometimes physical, you know, health damage to their health that they've caused these people. And for no reason, I mean, they had to know that they were lifting the mandate. They had to have been in talks about it. Like, why would you just suddenly revoke these people's exemptions and make them think that, you know, they were going to be fired and have no health? I mean, it's it's like cruel and unusual. I just, I don't get it. It's got this real vindictive feel to it, right? Yes. Like we'll show you, and yes. and they treat these people as if they're just, they're you know they're mice in a cage. Uh, mm-hmm. They're not human beings that have real concerns of paying their bills, of keeping yep. their health insurance. Like you said, it's again, it's evil. It's disgusting. There, I don't know what other words you can put around it, but it's it's horrifying what's happened. Especially again, because think about. It's so fascinating to me. In America, I think, generally speaking, we've all been kind of brought up to think we respect those in the military. We respect those firefighters. We respect those uh, police. We respect those teachers. These are all people who make less money than they probably should doing harder jobs than many of us have uh, and perhaps getting, you know, less, uh, I don't know, less What's the word? I guess less compensation, but at least in theory, they would get our respect and admiration. And then people like yourself, you know, nobody likes lawyers, Christina, right? (laughs) (laughs) And nobody respects people that talk about vitamins. I mean, come on. But these other people, like we're supposed to kind of revere these people and they're the ones being thrown under these city buses of disrespect and, and just thrown out with the bathwater because, oh, well, they're not doing what we want them to do. It's different now. We don't care about you anymore. It, and maybe we didn't care about you in the first place. Right. And and they feel that, you know, that I speak to my firefighters. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm like a therapist and <laughs> part therapist because they're struggling. Like I, I remember speaking to one of my firefighters who told me, he said, I've seen some horrific things in, you know, the course of being a firefighter, deaths of children and burnt bodies and just horrors. And he said, I've never had to visit, they have access to counseling through mm-hmm. the fire department. He said now for the first time after, you know, being tossed aside from <laughs> the fire department that they very much view as a brotherhood firefighters. And oh, he said, sure. he's literally having to see counseling over, you know, He's like, we are, we don't get into this for the money, he said to me. We're a brotherhood. We risk our lives to protect the people of the city and to be thrown away from that very brotherhood that, you know, they tell you they'll protect you. If you die, they'll take care of your family, but but not if you're unvaccinated. Then you're ostracized. Nobody will even look at you. It it takes a toll on these people. And these some of these people are are high ranking. They have great immense responsibilities to keep us safe and you're going to hang this over their head and put this stress on them how can you expect them to do their job you know efficiently and effectively when they have this hanging over their head they can't 
It's yeah. crazy. And then, and then some of the city agencies were really brutal. Like we were just talking about the teachers and with the help of the union, they made the ones that were denied exemptions in the beginning, they made them all sign waivers saying they wouldn't sue if they could keep their health insurance benefits for an extra six months. And many of them did. And, you know, most lawyers won't even take those cases because they're going to get thrown right out. And it's really hard to overcome a signed contract like sure. that. Yeah. You know, so and now with the with the mandate being lifted, I just got a phone call this morning when I was on my way to court for my firefighter. I got a call from somebody who was, I think, Department of Transportation, another city worker. And he said, um, you know, they sent me this memo or, you know, guidelines on how to be reinstated. He was terminated because he's unvaccinated. He said they want me to sign a waiver saying I won't sue for back pay in order to reinstate me. So it's like, even the lifting of the mandate is not just a true lifting of the mandate. It's like, oh, you want to come back? Well, you have to pretend that we didn't trample all over your rights for the last two years. Yeah, there's strings attached for sure, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. So, and then, the, of course, that though, to me, is kind of a weird sign of what we were talking about. We, we really are kind of winning when it comes to that. Because if they're afraid that when they reinstate somebody, they can sue and potentially win, that means that the shoe really has shifted to the other foot and we are starting to look at least in the courts at protecting these people's rights even after the fact uh, the fact that you were able to get you know back pay and legal fees and everything else on that first case and now you've won multiple cases since then this is all as awful as it is I, it does feel to me like the tide is turning and over time we're going to win a lot more than we're going to lose on this kind of stuff would you agree with that I agree. And I'm just getting warmed up too. I got <laughs> plenty more in the works. We're going to bring lots of different types of lawsuits and we're going to seek more than just back pay because these people have suffered and they deserve to be made whole. And that's what we're going to go for. 100%. So then w would you advise someone in that position then to absolutely not sign something uh, to go back? Uh, are they? It, can they not go back without signing that document? Yeah, this is where I struggle as an attorney and as a human being, right? As a person. And I try to I try to tell people, my clients, like I can give you legal advice, but at the end of the day, you have to make a decision that's right for you. Right? Yeah. So, you know, some people if if they have no intentions of ever suing or bringing a lawsuit, and then they're not going to sign a waiver and they're not going to be able to get their job back and they can't put food on the table. And and don't forget our great governor that we have here in New York has also foreclosed unemployment for those that are unvaccinated, which is. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, it, it most certainly has to be a First Amendment violation. And I considered bringing a lawsuit for that as well. But I was so caught up in the in the firefighters and the cops. But it really does need to be redress, uh, you know, addressed that they foreclosed people who were terminated from unemployment. I mean, I, I don't understand how you could do that. But so think about it. These people, some of them are really struggling. No unemployment, no health insurance. Yeah. They have children. They have homes. So they have to do what's right for them. And and you know, lawsuits are protracted. Right? It takes a long time to get money. And then the city has the advantage. They can appeal and they get an automatic stay and they could tie up that money for a long time. And so it's said that the city has so much advantage and they use that power to crush these working class people. So I, I try to do everything I can. But at the end of the day, 
people have to do what's in their best interest and that might not align with their legal interests. Right. Because you still have to pay the bills. You still have to live your life. Yeah, it's and that's really, I guess, maybe, you know, how we can wrap this up is that what we have witnessed all of us over the last few years, we've witnessed censorship. We've witnessed uh, propaganda on a scale that is almost unmatched. It's unbelievable what they've told us as truth and as science, which has 100% been debunked and really wasn't ever even true in the first place. It's just now that they're admitting that it wasn't. Right. (laughs) And then we've had people fired and we've had people railroaded and gaslit and injured and all of these other things. We've witnessed all of these things that have happened and it nobody ever gets fully compensated for what we've all been through. Some of us have certainly struggled with it more than others. I, I didn't lose my livelihood during this. In fact, I found more people to listen to me during this process. And, and so in a roundabout way, COVID has been a blessing for me, sort of, <laughs> from a business standpoint. But as I've, yeah, right. And as I've watched people, though, I mean, I do this other podcast. I do the Dearly Discarded podcast. I'm not sure if you're even familiar with it, where I- Yes, I've heard that's- Vaccine injured. Yeah. And all I do is talk to vaccine injured people. I've just recently uh, just recently interviewed two uh, widows who lost their husbands to uh, vaccine injury, uh, also to hospital protocols that were put into place. We know that Cuomo and your great state shoved a whole bunch of people back into nursing homes and essentially killed them. Uh, You know, thousands of of uh, of the most vulnerable people that they were supposedly trying to protect. So we, we don't get it all back. There's no redo. So the question I guess I have for you as we wrap this thing up is for those listening to this show right now, regardless of what they what mess they may find themselves in, or maybe it's not that messy for them personally, what do you think they ought to be doing right now that can help us move this fight for our freedom, our liberty, uh, and our protection against tyranny forward um, as we try to prevent this kind of thing from ever happening again. I think it's really important for everybody to stand up because, you know, I, I've seen a very small minority as far as the city workforce in New York City is confirmed is concerned actually stand up against this. And if they would have all taken a stand from the very beginning, right, even if they were willing to get the vaccine, but if, you know, if they would have taken a stand for those who weren't, right? The city would have crumbled, right? Because they're an essential workforce, right? So if all of the firefighters would have said, no, I'm not submitting my vaccine result, uh, you know, proof of vaccination, then the city couldn't function without them. And the city would have no choice but to withdraw, right? And so the city only has the power that we give them. If we collectively stand together, then we win, Right. But if we let them pick us off one at a time, then ultimately we lose ultimately. And so I think the most important thing is that we stand up against the even if we don't think it has an individual impact on us, you know, eventually it will. And it's important that we stand together. And that's, I think, the most important thing we could do. Yeah, I I 
couldn't possibly say it better myself. I love that answer. United we stand, right? And that's really what this boils down to. Christina, you are doing really, really important and heroic work over there. On behalf of me and the people who listen to the show that I know are now instant admirers of what you're doing, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jared. I really appreciate you having me on and giving me this opportunity to share because I think People are probably surprised by what they've heard is going on in New York City and probably in other places around the country. And I just am so grateful that you gave me the opportunity to shine a light on it. So thank you. Absolutely. We need to get as many of your type of voices heard as we possibly can. Is there anything that people listening can do for any of your clients or the people that are struggling? Are there any, you know, GoFundMes or legal defense funds or any of those types of things that we can share with our listeners here? Um, You could check out my website, uh, www.exemptionlawyer.com, and there's contact information on there. I have some updates on the news. Um, I don't think I have any GoFundMes right now. You know, some of these firefighters are are a bit proud and Mm -hmm. don't really want to accept help. But if anybody's willing, um, you know, to help out, I can certainly ask my, I have city workers that some cannot afford to bring lawsuits and there's lots of people to help. So okay. you could check me out on my website and reach out. I would appreciate it. Thank well, you. Absolutely. We'll link to that um, in the show description. So if you're listening and you want to help out, you want to get involved in some way, again, the first thing is stand up and shout and let your voice be heard. Uh, and uh, second, yeah, reach out to these people that need support, even if it's just uh, saying things, uh, you know, putting this information out online, sharing this podcast uh, on the social media and these types of things. All of that helps. We have to all recognize for one, once and for all that the, I believe we're in the majority now. I really do. I believe that there are more people against these mandates than there are for them. Uh, and yet we, like you said, they pick us off one at a time if we don't stand up together. So stand up and shout. Christina, thank you so much for joining me. It has been an absolute pleasure. It's it's uh, such an honor to call you, my friend. I hope that we can stay in touch. And, and if you have more uh, news uh, on this that you'd like to share in the future, please reach out and we'll get you on again. Of course. I'm going to need a refill on those supplements that I got from you in Utah. <laughs> so I will definitely be reaching out. Thank you so much, Jared. Have a All great right. day. Thank you. Okay. I thought you've been listening to the vitality radio podcast. Enjoy your week. In the meantime, Jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it. Vitality radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source don't forget to follow us at vitality radio on instagram twitter and facebook please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag vitality radio podcast and if you like what you hear go tell somebody with a share a screenshot or an airdrop thank you Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.